Welcome to The Digital Couch, a podcast by Value First, featuring global thinkers and their stories. Over to your host now. Hello, everyone. My name is Shauri and I lead marketing for Value First. Today we have with us Gautam Nimagada. Gautam is CEO and founder of Quixi. Quixi is a cloud-based user-friendly digital transformation platform that empowers business users without knowing any coding skills. Gautam is also an alumnus of University of Iowa. Hi, Gautam. Welcome to the Digital Couch. Hi, Shauri. Uh, thank you for having me here today. And uh, I, I hope I'll be able to share some interesting information and exchange some good ideas. It's my pleasure. Thank you for being here. So while we deep dive into this podcast, I'd love to get started with your own story. And I mean, also touching on the fact that this is your second time that you're an entrepreneur now. So I'd love to understand from you about your journey and also a bit about Quixie for our listeners. Sure. So um, I'll, I'll break it up into uh, four or five uh, pieces of my journey. Um, so right from you know college days, I've always been wanting to be an entrepreneur, you know, basically build something. Maybe I wouldn't call myself an entrepreneur at that time. I wanted, I was always curious and I wanted to build stuff. Um, so I ended up in US doing my master's, like you mentioned, in University of Iowa. And, and I learned quite a bit uh, while I was there in my master's. Um, you know, the ability to come up with creative ideas, to do deeper research um, as I was doing my master's. And then um, I joined an organization called Cerner which is a healthcare IT company. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that was, a, uh, I think, a, it laid a good solid foundation for my formative, you know, career years. Um, the manager there guided me through uh, all the uh, initial uh, tough days, right? Where you're trying to get a hang of how things work moving from being a student to uh, a professional. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, during, at, at that time, actually, honestly, the idea of Quixie came uh, to me somewhere in 2010 mm. when I was working in Cerno. Okay. Uh, but it was very, very raw at that point of time. Of course. And uh, I, I've always wanted to return to India. So I returned to India in 2011. And, and I joined an engineering company. From being a software professional, I, I joined an engineering company, infrastructure. Okay. So the idea being um, you know, not just being technology focused, but I wanted to get a more you know, a different exposure to various kinds of streams on how business works. So I got exposed to, a, and, and that's exactly what I asked the management of that company. You know, that's what I wanted to learn. And I got exposed to a, Whole lot of things like procurement of uh, mechanical parts from China and uh, managing infrastructure projects, getting environmental clearances, uh, understanding the legalities, contracts, etc. Uh, so the next stage was uh, where we we uh, focused on building an IT company for that infrastructure company uh, group, mm. um, and and uh, you know, basically turn around that company, and we managed to do that over the last six years now seven years, 
and uh, while i was doing that i felt that the technology uh, my understanding of technology and business was enough for me to now continue pursuing my idea of pixie a no code platform and we started uh, building this platform as a side project mm. five years ago um, and then we continued to slowly make improvements and we went through hundreds of iterations and and uh, uh, about a year and a half ago we incorporated this company and uh, i think we we started selling just about when covid onset so we are kind of uh, semi twins with covid now <laughs> yeah but but uh, so we wouldn't know how it would fare fare out if covid was was not there but i think we we did fairly well in this last 10 months uh, we we managed to get uh, 50 plus customers in 15 countries across five continents uh, across different industry verticals Okay. um government private of you know small big in, in insurance healthcare yeah uh, manufacturing etc so it's been a very very exciting journey and i i look forward to many more years of it very cool and in a nutshell if you were to explain quicksy how will how will that go so it's the idea is to be able to dem- democratize the ability to build software so that's our uh, mission and uh, the first set of software that we focused on is business software um, so we allow users who have absolutely no idea how to code okay uh, be able to bus- build business software and and i'm not talking about software which can do some simple stuff mm. but uh, enterprise level solutions understood so just to just to build up from there and you know picking up as digital transformation which has been the buzzword of late but you know i was i was going through this report the other day by forrester which which said about 56% of the firms are transforming but their level of investments are still very very low to tackle on something like digital transformation so do you think being in the business that businesses like this organization like like these are looking at the concept of digital transformation completely in a wrong way um so i think the uh, fact that digital transformation is is a buzzword mm. and it's being quoted in a lot of places is 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 something good so which means organizations are at least now in the discovery phase of what digital transformation is yeah um the execution of digital transformation uh, will happen next i think we are in the early phases of it mm. and the pandemic has only accelerated the process and a lot of uh, organizations how have now made automation and digital transformation their priority not a um, you know a research project or a project that needs to be worked on long term but something that has to be put into action now Okay. um also the challenge with di- digital transformation is it's not just a software tool that you can simply buy and install and then you're done it is a concept of you know how do you how does an organization work Correct. the entire working process of an organization has to change so it's it's not uh, an easy feat to do uh, but given the challenges of the pandemic Uh, a lot of organizations have realized that it is critical for them to be able to transform themselves 
to be able to be com uh, competitive and differentiate themselves in, in the hyper-competitive world. So, you know, post-pandemic, you know, the, the same foresters and gardeners have made predictions where uh, organizations have now started uh, focusing on not just uh, putting in um, simple software tools to make them enable, but making uh, digital capabilities as their core part of their strategy in, in terms of their differentiation. So it's it's trickling. It's it's just started. We are I think in phase zero, phase one now. Mm -hmm. uh, in the next five to ten years, digital transformation is is going to uh, massively change how the world is going to do business. Oh, indeed, and in fact, I think platforms such as something what you are trying to build will be a, a huge torch bearer in revolution like this. And that actually brings me to the next question about these no-code platforms, right, which have become everyone's best friend today. And why, I mean, why do you think they're changing the way we work? And, and do you see there'll be a change in the way our designers and engineers have traditionally worked because of this new development coming in? Absolutely. Um, so before, before I go specifically into no-code platforms, I'll try to uh, give you a certain analogy. Yeah. Um, so before the printing press was invented, mm. um, knowledge was precious, right? Um, so you, you, there was one book written by, handwritten by a person, and then you would have a bunch of people copying that same book, and then you would have these in these libraries. So if you need to get that knowledge, you need to have access to that library and access to that specific book. And among millions of people, how many would have access to that book, right? Wow. So when the printing press came along, just imagine, right? When the printing press came along, they were able to make thousands and probably even millions as, as time progressed, mm -hmm. uh, copies of the same uh, literature. Yeah. And, and knowledge was now present in way more places and which allowed more knowledge to be created. And, and then, you know, fast forward a little and then uh, let's talk internet, right? Yeah. Until internet came along again, you know, you the traditional method was books and at best it was soft copies, right? We would have them on CDs. 100%. And uh, as when internet came along and the internet boom happened over the last 20, 30 years, now, you know, nobody re requires actually anything to be remembered because most of the information is on is on the internet and and is accessible in a few seconds correct now the importance for humans is to be able to apply those apply that knowledge how do you apply knowledge how do you so information knowledge is now mostly available so with that kind of an analogy now if you look at uh, what what is coding right yeah it is a means for us to achieve something it is a tool right so it's you know it's no longer important for us to know how to code but it is important for us to know what problems we want to solve and no code with this platform which is kind of democratizing the way internet and printing press democratize knowledge we are democratizing the capability to um, build software 
through no code platforms right this this space i'm not talking about cooksy but the space itself um so when we democratize this um 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 you know the capability to build software uh we are removing the bottlenecks of you know shortage of developers across the world so there is a um, estimate that 500 million apps are required by 2025 but there is only capacity to build only 50 million apps so there is this huge delta of 90% right. and that's because of the shortage of developers so what no code platforms does is it it bridges this gap Mm-hmm. and it allows the professional developers to focus on much deeper harder problems to solve instead of trying to build uh, applications which can be automated through no code platforms it brings down the cost therefore allowing software to be adopted or an automation to be adopted across uh, all kinds of uh, processes scenarios all kinds of uh, workflows Yeah. it it brings down the amount of time it takes to build software and it brings in a lot of agility and flexibility because mm-hmm. of the speed and uh, the low cost it brings in it also brings in a lot of agility so with this um, uh, you know the way the no code platforms uh, democratize the ability to create software you now engineers designers will start looking at focusing on creating solutions mm-hmm. rather focusing on how to code or how to you know architect uh, or you know write a uh, write some inheritance class or whatever right so the focus will be on creating solutions that are human centric user centric and and uh, not technology centric that's what no code platforms uh, will do and that, that will kind of bring together the way designers and engineers uh, work in the future well, that's beautiful and and what do you think about the harder set of audience for no code platforms say i mean that's something at least i believe but and i i mean i i could be wrong about this the fact that clients such as governments and huge corporations say the fortune 500 companies they'll be hesitant to use the no code platforms to begin with have have you seen a trend like this or no um it's it's it is partially true okay um so smaller organizations have very little to lose always whether it is no code platforms or any other new emerging technology mm. uh, small, smaller organizations um can always experiment um easily so organizations with which are uh, highly governed yeah which could be large businesses you know through their processes and structures mm-hmm. or governments or even uh, industries which are highly regulated the ability to uh, accept and experiment uh, innovation mm-hmm. experiment with innovation is slightly lower in these set of organizations however uh, uh, you know there's a rider here so uh, we have clients yeah. from government multiple government organizations mm. we have clients large business um, groups so the way they are uh, looking at uh, no code at this point of time yeah. is to uh, enhance their um, digital capabilities instead of trying to replace their core systems ah oh, interesting so 
yeah so they find it comfortable to enhance their uh, digital capabilities instead of trying to replace what is already working mm-hmm. and if they were to do it with uh, traditional methods or current existing marketplace it would take them decades to be able to do that but with no code uh, the kind of capability uh, agility that it's bringing to the table so now they found, they feel that uh, they'll be able to use this to be able to uh, speed up their you know um, their digital footprint if i may say that as an organization and the way they engage with their stakeholders no superb and in fact on the on the other side as well so smbs have started contributing so much right in fact i was reading the other day that how i mean it's become next biggest industry after agriculture for a country like india and i mean there are about 42 and a half million smbs out there and this doesn't even include the startups so i mean the markets anyway humongous and as you said they could be the change drivers when it comes to this platform and this trend as a whole yeah absolutely so smb is a, a massive segment and we've seen many many organizations over the last one decade uh, building solutions for smbs and and they themselves becoming unicorns and decacorns um, across the world yeah yeah with you on this so yeah all right so this brings me to uh, like about this pandemic that's been looming over us you touched upon it a bit and how I mean it's at least stayed with quicksy because you started 15 months ago and we're already like almost in near into it now and i'd i'd love to understand like over the last almost year one year what are the major changes that you saw for yourself at quicksy as as someone who's leading the organization as the organization from deep down and do you believe that we saw digital transformation worth 10 years done in like 10 months so so for personally for quicksy right so um, we started out uh, selling in much more traditional methods hmm. uh, going outbound reach out and and then attending conferences trying to uh, create connections yeah and then uh, so we we started doing that in january and february mm-hmm. and then i think first week of march we were supposed to go to a conference and then we cancel everything we realized that this is something much bigger than what it seemed like in indian media at that point mm-hmm. and we we quickly decided that you know this is something that we have to figure out we have to re-strategize ourselves um and and we've thankfully we've been mostly a digital focused organization right from inception um even while it was a side project right so yeah. when when the pandemic came in we were able to take, take to work from home like fish to water so there was almost no difference to us in terms of how we were working so we moved to work from home i think first or second week of march and and we had to observe and understand how the markets are working how people are reacting to the pandemic and then change our strategies in terms of how do we market ourselves and how do we sell and how do we bring value to uh, to the customers in this changed context um and and uh, the way the customers reacted um at in february yeah. and march Yeah. and and the way the customers have reacted um, i wouldn't say i would i would take 
three or four months away because there was hardly any uh, decision uh, making in the initial three months at least as far as we were concerned the in during april may june but from july august we have seen a trend in terms of uh, how um, customers have approached or prospects have approached and are looking at automation there's been a significant difference and and uh, when we we ask a question frequently to our prospects uh, is this a project that is something that ha- that was scheduled for 2020 or uh, was it originally planned uh, earlier or later so uh, you know at least 30 40% of the prospects we we've, we've got a response that it was actually in fact planned for later in in you know 2021 or it was not even planned for 2020 but it has now come into being because of the changed situation so i would not be able to say whether it was uh, you know that we have seen 10 years of digital transformation in 10 months mm. but it has definitely laid these foundations for you know uh, digital and data driven uh, business world so um, we have clearly seen the shift where digital technologies from being an you know mostly playing uh, an enabler and a side role yeah. to being a, a, you know a core strategy for for all kinds of businesses in every industry not just tech businesses interesting and if i were to slightly turn the tables out here and and ask you this question how's this pandemic been personally like i mean did you also get some realizations over the last few months like about good things bad things and what not um so i i i don't know how i can categorize this because my learnings are a mix of uh, pandemic and and my starting of quicksy right so i don't know from where the learnings have come but it has they have come over the last uh, 10 15 months yeah. uh, so i i've realized that you know one things can change overnight i think most of most of us have come to that realization and and i hope to keep that learning with me even after the pandemic uh, subsides but you know always have your eyes open always see what's what's happening in the world and uh, you know, be aware that you know something is not uh, that might not look possible might happen overnight and we should we should always be Uh, aware of situations the an, another thing that i've very clearly seen is um the solidarity between uh, people mm-hmm. uh, yeah. um, as the pandemic set in um i have seen people not just our team but you know my observation uh, in general that people have come together wonderfully Yeah. You know, there has been cooperation at many levels there have been people who have put their hand up and said that they'll do the job which which many others wouldn't right so you you in pre pandemic we saw this only in very few instances uh, but it was uh, you know so wonderful to see these beautiful moments of cooperation not just among people but also sometimes have seen across organizations and even countries uh, so that's, that's something great to see 
um, and and personally, um, I'm, I'm, firstly, I would say thankfully we we in you know, none of uh, from our family uh, have been uh, infected by COVID. That's right. Uh, um, but I've seen some of my uh, friends mm. and some of my uh, distant relatives get infected with COVID, <clears throat> and uh, it it also gives a perspective in terms of how important health is. Yeah, so I've seen people who have not recovered 100% even after COVID has gone away, you know, it's it's left its mark on on, uh, people. So it helped and and it has drastically affected the way um, their lives, uh, you know, were before and after, right? Mm -hmm. So something that I've seen uh, among some of my friends and uh, and you know distant family, um, I feel that uh, it's it's something that everybody needs to be aware of, and being healthy is as important as uh, being you know pro successful and happy. That's that's a well said thing. Thank you for that. So that actually brings me to the next section of this podcast, which I like to call the rapid fire questions in which I just throw surprise questions at you and you don't get any time to think and you have to just reply back, all right? Okay, be kind on me. <laughs> cool. So you've been an entrepreneur two times now. Any advice you'd like to give someone thinking of starting their own business today? I would say persistence, okay. innovation. I think these are two things that you really need i mean speed everybody says speed but persistent is is a quality that is really really required for entrepreneurs got it you have a table for four people at a restaurant including you and you can call the other three people can be anyone in the world who will the three people be such another okay and uh, does that person have to be alive sorry uh, do the do the rest of the people have to be alive? Can, uh, yeah, I mean, can they be? It can be anyone. That's all. Yeah. So I I would uh, I would want Chanakya. Okay. Yeah. Sachin Nadella. Hmm. And uh, Martin Luther King. Super. What are you reading or listening to right now? Um, I have I have <laughs> I was actually reading uh, the subtle art of not giving a beep. Got it. <laughs> I would have believed it on my end, but this works. And what do you usually find yourself doing when you're not working, maybe? Uh, playing with my daughter. Super. Watching... Yeah. Last question is, what motivates you to get out of bed every day in the morning? To build something great. Superb. Thank you so much, Gautam. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for helping us end our season two with a bang. No, thank you so much, um, Shadi. It's been a pleasure and, and I love this opportunity of speaking with you. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We hope you found it useful. Do write to us at the digital couch at vfirst.com for any suggestions. To know more about Value First, visit www.vfirst.com. See you in our next episode. Till then, keep spreading joy.